Hello, this is Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Ben. I'm Joe. And I'm JP. And here we are, we're back. Um, uh, if we're mainly, this week, it's probably going to be a, a truncated uh, episode, at least for us. I say this, people probably listen to this now, <laughs> and the, epi- the episode lengths about three hours, but generally, we're, we're trying to do that this week. Uh, it's mainly going to be about what we've been, not, not so much what we've been watching, but what we've been up to this weekend. Uh, you guys got to a live show, I got to the... Uh, the big uh, for the love of wrestling con uh, in Liverpool, but yeah, I'm suffering from the uh, the post wrestling con flu. Um, something about being in a room with that many thousand people, unfortunately. Uh, I don't know whether it's a wrestling thing or what, but I'm uh, I'm definitely feeling it now. Uh, but yeah, so for that reason and for others, it's probably going to be a short one. We'll catch up next week with a a very detail what we've been watching. But yeah, this is a podcast mainly about our weekend. So, how have you both been? How's your weekend been? What's going on? It was all right. Pretty busy. Uh, me and JP managed to have a cracking Saturday night, but yeah, other than that, it was a good time. Not as good as yours, Ben. Oh, yours looked like probably the best oh. weekend of your life, but yeah, so the good, so the good one. <laughs> it's definitely up there. Uh, that's probably the reason I'm uh, I'm suffering today. The fact that I was in a in a bar until five in the morning, not name dropping, but with a Rob, with Rob Van Dam, probably. Uh, I know you've got lots of Matt Riddle stories, JP, and I'll get oh. into it later. But I don't know if Rob Van Dam stories. Uh, I'll do Matt Riddle stories. He, he did tell us that he, he met Matt Riddle ten years ago at the Playboy Mansion. That was a that was a good story. I don't know. Has Riddle ever told you that one? He hasn't. He's kept that from me yet. Snake, <laughs> sneaky bastard. You have to bring that up at some point. I will do. Uh... It's, uh, when he gets released from WWE. <laughs> God, I hope that He's happens. The... Uh, he did say he's never seen Matt Riddle wrestle before, which uh, kind of surprised me a little bit. But he's Rob Van Dam. He's got better things to do. Uh, but yeah, he was obviously he was one of the guests at the uh, Full Love of Wrestling uh, con that yeah somehow we ended up talking to. So yeah, that was a, a great part of the weekend. I uh, went to see the Avengers film on Sunday as well. Don't know if you uh, guys have seen that yet. I've been on a on a film kick this week. I went on Friday. I I went with my kids on Friday, basically as soon as they'd finished school to get it done. Um, it's not something that that I Joe's a fan of at zero all. Zero interest in the MCU. Uh, oh no! I fell asleep during the first Avengers film when I saw the cinema. Uh, I hated that fifty-minute battle scene at the end of the film. Mm. Five of their films are work on a very formulaic basis, and they've killed the space in the market for the mid-budget <laughs> thriller and action film. And I love film, and I feel like as a man who teaches young students, all I hear them talk about are comic book films, and it. Presses me because no longer do I hear them talking about great films from the last, I don't know, 50, 60 years and having conversations and discovering new things about film because they're so obsessed with talking about the MCU and what a failure DC is as a franchise and <laughs> laughing at them. And film, not doesn't, wrong. film doesn't exist outside of that universe, unfortunately. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Um, can't stand the stuff. And I'm glad this series of it's over. And it was a big break for a while. And I hope my students find someone else to watch. And listen to me, but I sound like an old man. Shout out a cloud once again. So, yeah, see, I I was never into it. Like I'm not a comic guy, and I've, I, it's only like the last wave of MCU films that I've actually gotten into a little bit. Uh, mm. It's still not really my thing, but I don't know if I'd blame them entirely. Obviously, it's it's lengthen the gap between your big blockbusters and your your mid range films, but that's kind of been happening anyway, hasn't it, for the last twenty years or so? 
Yeah. Uh, it's kind of the reality of like modern cinema, isn't it? Well, one of the things, I mean, and I've got a different experience, I suppose, to both of you in the sense that my kids have grown up with these. So it's been part of what I've watched with them over the last I, few I get years. That. I do get that. And that's, and so for us, for me, there's a kind of different aspect to it. And I, and I, I'm kind of perfectly happy to watch them as part of escapism. We were talking about what their favorite ones. I mean, one of the films that apps they're agreed on are the, like the ones that are bad. Like, so Avengers age of Ultron, they just, think it's one of the worst films ever and, and they absolutely yeah, loathe but they really enjoyed it um i won't obviously go into any spoilers you know i enjoyed it as well it's perfectly perfectly fine for what it is on the bigger film point i think it's 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 what disney have done because they own marvel mm. it's just this whole there's these massive disney tentpole films that are either two two marvel films a star wars film a remake of a classic cartoon, a live action, remake. A, yeah, live action remake. Um, something that's going to be like sort of Frozen, Tangled, and more of a musical, and then potentially a Pixar. And they just, hmm. they seem to be that all of cinema sort of revolves around that, and everything. A lot of other stuff gets lost in the shuffle, and lots of other studios try and make the same thing, but never really as not as good or, or certainly not as successful. Hmm. It's like the uh, the Fast and Furious franchi- franchise being such a thing now. Like mm. Hobbs and Shaw dropped their new trailer this year. Like who'd have thought when that first film came out that there'd be what ten of them altogether, including spin-offs, uh, and including that. That's kind of like every every studio wants the big franchise, don't they? Uh, Go on the other way for you know, me, though. I find that I just don't watch anything franchise based. Well, not oh, I want not anything, but not a lot because I just like go see Hobbs and Shaw. No, Goes, get, uh, to, get last... to see Roman doing his role. Did you not see the trailer? It looks great. No interest. The last Fast and Furious film I saw was the fifth one. Thoroughly enjoyed it for what it was, but ah, uh, this uh, I, I love film. I like independent film. I like foreign language cinema. I sound like a snob. I know. Uh, the last film I saw at the cinema last week, Dragged Across Concrete absolutely cracking film recommend if you're not an mcu fan you're looking for a good film to watch get on a bit of dragged across concrete mel gibson and vince vaughn as a pair of cops on stakeouts trying to track down some gold great film (laughs) (laughs) that's that's a good like i don't know like that's like almost like a 90s trope there's loads of great films where people are trying to track gold like trespass with ice tea and ice oh, yeah. here, uh, we've talked about that before haven't we where the uh, the two country bumpkins go into the hood trying to track down gold i watched that again recently I'll tell you what i should like going on an 80s and 90s kick i went and watched what i should have brought up last week when it was bank holiday weekend i rewatched the long good friday joe oh, oh sure you that 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 was like that was a deep i thought it's good friday i should watch the long i haven't seen it in years i forgot that uh helen mirren was in it as like the uh the sexy young wife uh kind of kind of weird watching that with uh with, with modern eyes uh, and yeah. charlie from casualty who she hasn't who yes. to have an affair with her yeah the big, the big uh, Pierce Brosnan in the back of the car. Yeah. Spoilers for a forty-year-old film, but yeah, he, uh, he turns out to be the big heel in the film, doesn't he, Charlie? Oh yeah. Have you seen uh, Mona Lisa? No. Yeah. No. Neil Jordan. Yeah, I recommend if you like uh, the Long Good Friday, give Mona Lisa a watch. I think it's Bob Hoskins' best film. He's playing a very similar character. Uh, he gets out of jail and basically he he's trying to reform his character. Let's just it's say. like a chauffeur for an escort. Yes, he is. It's one of my. It's probably my top five films ever. I think. Uh, gr- check it out. Is it as quotable as the Long Good Friday though? No. There are bits of it that I think are, but it's just not that well remembered. 
Um, and not a lot of people speak about it because The Crying Game is a very similar film. It's the same director, quite a simi- similar formula, similar script as well. And The Crying Game is the film that kind of gets all the... Pl- I like The Crying Game. I think it's a great film. But Mona Lisa gets a little bit forgotten due to The Crying Game, I think. So the, but there's no quote as good as, uh, the mafia, I've shit him. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to do my best JP uh, accent then, but I couldn't make The mafia, uh, I've shit him. How about that? How does that sound? Perfect. Perfect. Geezered it up a bit. Should have cast. <laughs> I'd be, I'd, but then as soon as you see me, you hear the voice, but then you see me, you think, he, this man is not a gangster no, in any way, could, shape or form. I reckon you could dress, you get your yeah, Matt Riddle t-shirt and your Adidas jogging bombs. We can dress you up and make you look gangster. <laughs> You're a great actor. I've heard your voice acting before. Yeah. You know you're a great actor. I'm available for bookings. So I'll watch anything you're in. Yeah, yeah. I was. I'll be. I, that's the other thing. I, I should just, I've been saying that. I'm, I'm going to uh, take my, my newfound friendship with Rob Van Damme. You know, really, he has no idea where I am. But I'm going to I'm gonna set that, set up some kind of a podcast, just you and him, JP. Oh. Uh, I think that would be. I think there'd be money in that. Did, we need JP to be Rob Van us two in the same location at the same time. That would be it. Mm. He's more than welcome to come round. He's got to come to Oxford. Like I'm not going to uh, Michigan, where he's from. I think. I think he lives in Battle Creek. He lives in Venice Beach. Does he? Oh, yeah, I'm he up lives, for going there. He's like on Venice Beach. I thought. I thought. I'm not going to fucking Detroit. It <laughs> seems bleak as anything. Is that because you watch Gridlocked with Tupac and Tim Roth? Yeah, that's a great film. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're a couple of smack at it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well that's on a, a 90s kick. <laughs> Yeah, it's a great one that, and the the the, the album from it as well. Not a bad album, um, gridlocked album, but yeah, still releasing them for God's sake. It's, it's insane. <laughs> Tupac, yeah, yeah. what's he been dead for? He was twenty three when he died in nineteen ninety six. That's uh, if that doesn't make you feel old, uh, don't know what would. It's, there's potential that some of his music will be released after my death, <laughs> like, and it's a that's a scary thought. Sling <laughs> at all, well, lovely. So the reasons for his death, make money from his estate and all the rest of it. Yeah, are you blaming Shug Knight there, Joe? Because I, I do feel like it's Shug Knight's fault. I think it's entirely. Shug oh, Knight's it's Shug Knight's fault. fault. I think the Nick, the Nick Brumfield documentary. Oh, where he um, just wants to talk about the children when he's in prison. Yeah, and his charity work. Sitting in a prison yard with Shug Knight smoking one of those big cigars. <laughs> oh, my, f- my favorite thing about Shug Knight is that he's in prison now because he visited the set of the Straight Outta Compton film where they had somebody playing him as an actor, and while he was on set, he ran somebody over and went back to prison for assault. Fucking just, hell. He's just a great bloke. They could, cast, he's a he's a wrongen. He's a cast proper wrongen. Ezekiel Jackson or Moose in that role. I always thought. Imagine Moose as Shug Knight. Because Tyron Woodley's in that film. Mm. Or in Bastard. As the fighter, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sadly. Uh, worst ever. But I suppose, yeah, like you said before, JP, we probably should talk a little <laughs> bit of wrestling. Um, did you both see the, uh, I mean, like I said, we're going to go into our weekend, but did you both see the Cody promo from, uh, yes. from AEW? I know you wanted to talk about that, JP. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was great. Joe saw it this evening. Um, mm. what I like about, I mean, first of all, he's saying stuff that's kind of preaching to the converted for me saying about like the kind of death of the attitude era. Um, and it has certainly created buzz around this match kind of more so than anything else really at this point. This is the thing that seems to be getting a bit of reaction and they need it with what, three weeks to go now, just under mm. four weeks. Um, the delivery was, was good. You were saying Joe, you didn't particularly like the music. 
Uh, that was anything I did like. I thought the mm. delivery and the points he was making were awesome. Though. I thought it was a really good promo. Mm. It was clearly from the heart, but he managed to also find a way of kind of segueing it into bashing WWE, which I'm for. <laughs> Piss and bodybuilders. Oh, that was great. Oh, <laughs> I've been praying for years for someone to go to Vince go like, I don't know, when he when he calls him a pencil geek, just to go, you're really into bodybuilding, mate, and that's weird. And you're, <laughs> and you're juiced up on steroids because that's why you're mental. Obviously, the mic would be cut long before that. But, yeah. Again, fantasy booking a row with Vince McMahon. It always comes back to this. <laughs> They've gone down an interesting route. I wasn't really sure about, like, the emotional end, and it didn't quite, that bit didn't quite work for me. But I'm bringing up the stuff about yeah, Dustin being his hero when he was going up, and, like you say, tying it into uh, basically a promo on the Attitude Era. Uh, it's a great angle to go with, and... They've only got so long to, to build up something with this with this match, as we talked about last week. Going with it first rather than with a long build-up over TV. But considering the format that they've got, uh, it's almost the, the perfect way to do it, really. I'd rather this than, uh, than doing shouty promos in the middle of a ring. Absolutely. Mm. I think the Prodigal Son stuff was really cool as well. And I also like the way he almost pointed out like the roles they were meant to play as sons and the role he was like meant to fulfil. I love the kind of self-awareness and the kind of role that his dad played. And, you know, his dad wanted him to perform in what was expected of him. You know, it's pr- proper stuff that's, you know, a feud's being mm. built around rather than some of the absolute shite we've seen in WWE over the last little while mm. where you've got to win a million gauntlet matches to get into a title match and you're getting held down. This is actually actually some sort of heartfelt rivalry where yeah. it feels like there are going to be stakes that aren't necessarily stakes over a belt, but stakes over winning and kind of triumphing over your brother, which is quite a unique direction to go in, I suppose. And, and the thing I think um, with this as well is... That it seems to be that Cody's getting the emotional match for this again, because obviously there's a, as we've said before, there is kind of a limitation to what kind of a good match he'll put in. So it has to be an emotional affair. And then watching all in, like he had the match with all this, which had all that stuff going on, which was, which was great fun. And it seems to me that they're going for this same pattern again. And this is the, this is the match that's going to have that behind it and leave the kind of work rate to everybody else. And if that's, if that's going to be variety on the card, that's really only ever going to be a good thing. Definitely, yeah. yeah like we said last week, it's got every every possibility to be the one that steals the show. Mm. Uh, and just it, as being something different on the show, yeah. I've been banging into it. And yeah, maybe maybe to walk back a little bit, what we were saying last week, maybe the, the minimal build might actually help it rather than hurt it. Uh, maybe get a couple more of these promos. There's only, what, three weeks to go until the show itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's definitely there's more you could do but yeah they've sold me already and uh, yeah I can't wait for that thing I thought the, in the setting to both promos is interesting Cody in a dark room clearly in a TV studio or something and uh, Dustin kind of out on a ranch somewhere mm. I'm sort of like wondering what they're trying to get across with that setting but I don't know maybe I'm reading too much into it there uh, the other thing I was going to mention as well was uh, last week we uh, we coined uh, Redman Mania. Mm. Uh, I don't know if either of you have uh, been watching any more Joel Redman in, uh, in the last uh, week or, or across this weekend. Yeah, I watched uh, Joel Redman versus Suwama, which was pretty good, mm. I've got to say. Uh, again, really impressive Redman. Same reasons as last week. 
Uh, intensity at the right times of the match. Doesn't have to do too much. Really kind of quite economic style as well that he gets over with. Mm. Quite charismatic as well in front of that crowd. Like, yeah, fair play to the man. There's been a couple of I mean, there was an article that that we were were tagged in from WH Park um, that I think Strigger had seen, where it was about Joel Redman and how in one of the is it Weekly Pro Wrestling or Gong? I don't know, whichever one of the Japanese magazines, and about how mm. successful he's been out there and how much he's sort of gotten over with that with the fans who are there. If it results in him getting a few more bookings, then, you know, good luck to him. I didn't see this coming, not from a mile away. No, no. Um, he's honestly been, seems like he's been quite a valuable part of yeah. the whole tournament, to be honest with you. And I just thought he was there to make up the numbers. Seems like he's got over. Let's hope for, you know, Redmond's sake that he carries us on and gets another tour over there. I think he will do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could see him fitting in over there. Um, do you watch any uh, anything else in Champions Carnival? Um, of the other stuff that I saw, um, it, I saw the um, Dylan James um, Okabayashi match. Oh, I watched that, which is a, a, a brutal hoss affair. It's a bruiser match. Lots, yeah. lots of chops, lots of strikes. Went on a bit. Yeah. I didn't need a half hour of it. I thought that that style of match is a half hour draw when there wasn't a lot of mm, story between the two guys. Mm-hmm. Maybe wasn't what was needed. But I thought in terms of work and a style that was like different, stood out as well. It was it was interesting at least. And yeah. I thought Dylan James had really improved since I last saw him a few years ago. It was James Ray Dean. Mm. Um, so fair play to him. Yeah, they, they've got the kind of their Hoss roster sorted out. I'm going to spend this week actually catching up because the final was today um, and catching up on a few of the other matches. There was a couple of matches involving Miyahara um, that were that were great fun to, to watch as well. I'm looking forward to seeing the match with him and um, Okabayashi, which I think was on the semi-final. Um, hopefully seeing that. But yeah, it's been a sort of successful tournament for them, I suppose. I mean, they're... It's very much a long game in Japan in terms of them building up crowds and audience. Um, I think Miyahara is the man to do it, though. He is the man to do it. It's the depth below him, if that makes yeah. sense. Or the other people on tier who he can have the kind of career feud with. Nomura, from what from what I've seen of him, looks really good. Whether or not he can sort of headline big shows for them would be is a matter of time. Well, I think you go with a slow burn Tanahashi like build yeah. with him. Um, you think about when Tanahashi peaked once again yeah. with that kind of slow build. But most disappointing thing about Joel Revan being in Japan is he wasn't on the show that me and JP went to on Saturday mm. that he was advertised mm. as being on. So very disappointed. Yes. Yeah. Unbelievable. You think he'd fly back, fly back out to all Japan? Is that, that not doable? For his, uh, for his Welsh wrestling it, dating. Well, there's, there's a <laughs> was he advertised for it? Or yeah. is he just normally on their shows? He was on the poster. Oh, he was on the poster. Oh. He was on the posters, like, right around my house. Like, I was taking pictures of the posters. I, I, must, I think I must have sent it to you, Benno. I'm sure I sent it to our group chat. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing is, though, if you add Joel Redman on your roster, you'd use him on every poster anyway. It's one of those posters where it just says wrestling in big letters, isn't it? And it's just got guys who look like wrestlers on the poster. Yeah. That's what you want. It sells some tickets. Well, they, had a, one's gonna they had a banner outside with War Machine on. It's like, I don't, <laughs> Viking Raiders. I don't think the Viking experienced <laughs> Raiders are turning up here tonight somehow. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a GPW had like a poster outside their venue in uh, in Wigan of El Ligero in baggy pleathers looking 
skinny and about 19 years old for at least the last 10 years saying wrestling this Friday that they put up every month for it. Um, thing is, if you've spent that money on that banner, then you're gonna want to use it, aren't you? You know, they probably spent a lot on getting that War Machines poster up. So it's just generic yeah. wrestling. They're all just wrestlers, that's you know. That's a, big yeah. lads with a beard, you know. Yeah, that's it. That's a WWE wrestlers. They're wrestlers now as well, and their house shows don't be draw. <laughs> so you know, why don't yeah. why don't yeah. everyone do it? Card subject to change, I think, is the uh, the terminology. And I was disappointed not to see Joel Revan, but James Mason was on the poster, and yeah. he was there. Oh. <laughs> what was it like you've been threatening to go to one of these shows for a while this is kind of yeah yeah it was like, it was one of these what i mean and in the end it sort of just it worked out well with the times and joe had said come on go come along to this um and it was like yeah go on then and i then... had to drop my girlfriend and all her mates off in town for her birthday and it coincided perfectly with the time of the show and me being able to collect jp yeah so it it would, would have been rude not to go really wouldn't it it would have been having having the amount of times we've actually talked about it um going in it is it's it's very much your family show from whatever you think of a family show this is pretty much it they they have a they have a formula and it really works on the idea of parents bringing along their kids but here's a question to ask you better how many wrestlers do you think were on the card because mm, I could imagine it being like one of those shows where, like, what, what they do like on the Butlins tours, where you'd get like a roster of about six wrestlers and they'd be, oh, yeah. they'd all face yeah. each other in singles matches, and then you get like either a battle royal or a, a big tag at the end. <laughs> oh. Am I onto something here? Is that basically what it was? It, exactly. It was a camp <laughs> show that had been transported from a camp into a community hall in a small town, basically. Um, Well, in a suburb of Oxford. It was exactly that. It just, it was a camp show in like Mm. all but setting, if anything. Um, And it wasn't us. And we probably looked like a right couple of noncy fuckers (laughs) out of the back. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, I kind of enjoyed it for what it was. My expectations were very low and, it was different, to say the least, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was. You you go there and they're they're selling stuff for sort of. I think they'd taken what some sort of uh, like a a suit that like a a toddler up to like a five year old could wear, but it was clearly from the Olympics from London twenty twelve, and they just managed to put a kind of wrestling belt around it. And we're selling those along with big foam fingers that just said number one fan on it, and all Did this. You buy one? I didn't buy any. The only thing I bought from them, I think, was a can of Pepsi because um, <laughs> he couldn't buy alcohol. I should have brought a few cans. Some people turned up with a few with a few cans of cider, just sort of sat at the back watching it as well. There was like 130 there. We did like a a bit of a, a head count. There was certainly, but I'd say between 120 and 130 there, which mm. is pretty decent. A, a show that's two hours long. It was less than that because they had a yeah. 20 minute intermission, slap bang in the middle as well. So it's about. An hour and 40 minutes overall in terms yeah. of content. And a lot of that was the ring announcer doing a stellar job at both announcing wrestlers, making sense of the storylines, <laughs> adding some logic. It was a lot of um, 
exposition, let's say, from the ring announcer, filling in various gaps. But he was also <laughs> shilling the merch. Oh, he was holding t-shirts up. He was holding posters up, talking about the bargain price you could get. This poster for signed by the wrestlers, three pounds, and it acts as an after an after uh, backstage ticket. Yeah, you get backstage with <laughs> a poster for three quid. He, sp- he even said, "You go to one of those uh, big American shows, you pay twenty pound for this, three pound here." <laughs> oh yeah, he was he was looked like Pete Waterman, the bloke who was doing it, uh, <laughs> which I was well that right was with. It. And yeah, it was I had a bell to ring. To start the match off, actually had a bell rather than someone just clicking the uh, the MP3. He was also furious at one point because uh, there was a lad from um, Woodstock, which is just down the road from Oxford, where Blenheim Palace is, and he was rested on the card. Apparently, he's from Woodstock. I'm not convinced. And his <laughs> opponent was from Swindon. And I don't know if you know, but Oxford versus Swindon Town is apparently a rivalry, the worst rivalry in the weirdest rivalry in English football, if you ask me. It's They'll not- only refer to them as Swindon. Like Oxford fans don't refer to them as Swindon. Like it's the A420 mob. Mate, there's not a motorway that links the two cities i can get from southampton to pompey in 20 minutes if i want to mm. and also there's a legit rivalry over the docks what's what's swindon oxford over don't know i haven't thought i haven't thought about swindon in years were they oh. was the premier league around when they were in the top division yeah, i remember season. them being yep and they went, they went straight down bottom weren't they again yeah, Glenn Oddle brought him up after a dramatic playoff final. And, uh, he I want to say John Moncur played for them. He did, yeah. Mm. And, and Glenn Oddle left and went to Chelsea. Jan Arja Fjortov was like their big guy at the time. Do you remember him? Oh, Jan Arja Fjortov, yeah. yeah Fjortov, he was yeah. at Middlesbrough afterwards, yeah. yeah. That's right. Swindon's an utter shitto. I wouldn't ever bother thinking about nah. it. His home of... Uh, Curry houses and strip, and strip clubs. And 4FW. And 4FW. Yeah. My favourite in the UK. 93, 94 it was apparently. Yeah. Uh, I just remember as a kid being like, one, where's Swindon to me dad? And two, like, they're, they're going right down again, aren't oh. dad? And he was like, yeah, they'll, they'll finish bottom of the league, so don't worry. And it happened. They've got a thing there as well called the Magic Roundabout, which is like one mm. big roundabout, which has got five smaller roundabouts around it. Not for reasons that are explained to anyone. It just appears to be something they've built. And it just mm. looks like hell. You it, saw me struggle around that one, didn't you? Yeah, it's not <laughs> not fun. You look at it and you think this this is literally an accident waiting to happen. The best thing about Swindon is the Asda. They've got a cracking Asda. <laughs> Big Asda. Incredible. My girlfriend and me had to go down there once because her, she got a 3D model of her and her sister made for her, made for her dad for his 60th birthday. That's fucking creepy. It was all a bit weird. They're yeah. cr- a cracking toy, but it's, it's Wait, weird. Wait, did what the a 3D model of themselves. Yeah, it's like an action figure of my girlfriend and her sister that they gave their dad <laughs> for his 60th birthday. It was all in good humour. Oh, okay. Trust me, it looks good as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is, is there not one of you as well, no? Not like a, a Rev Joe action figure? I'd enjoy that. I don't think he would really want that, to be honest. So we get on, but, you know, I'm not sure that... If I could get a Rev Joe action figure, just with it just does um, a moose sign. Well, that's almost a custom-made one, you know, for free. <laughs> you, put, you pull the string at the back and he has a go at the three progress owners. <laughs> yeah, Rev Pro is great. It's a Jay White. <laughs> I'm sure Glenn Joseph would be the first person to want to buy it. Anyway, uh, yes. Swabby on to Swindon. Yeah, anyway, the guy was uh, 
Apparently a Swindon fan. I'm sure he was a Pompey <laughs> fan when they were in Southampton the week before. I'm sure he was a Newcastle fan when they were in Sunderland. But they had this Oxford-Swindon rivalry going on where there are a lot of Oxford United fans. I don't know if they'd been at home that day, but there are a lot of Oxford United fans. In the they audience. were. It was the last game of the season. It was Doncaster at home. So I reckon they'd nip down from that game to the show. Yeah. And they had Oxford scarves on, shirts, getting all these Oxford chants on the go. It was like being a football match, this. It was a... Banging atmosphere. It was a hot crowd, Benno. But he cheated to win the bell, and my God, did he get some serious heat, this fella. What was his name? Um, Sid Minnelli. Oh, no, no, no. Foxy Kean Kelly. Foxy Kean Kelly. I reckon he's secretly I Remember the name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. He, he, had like, he was basically dressed like a combination of Diesel, Bret Hart, and with the Jay White kind of scratches on the tights as well. And looked like Martin Soul. Fowler from EastEnders. Yeah. He really did. <laughs> Oh, this is brilliant. How, how many people were there? Was it like a busy... You said there's a hot crowd. Was it a busy crowd? 120, 130. So pretty much, like, everyone had seats. It was, yeah, as busy as it was going to be there. 130 people kicking off when Foxy Kean Kelly put his feet on the rope to dethrone the pure white meat baby face from Oxford, Sid Minnelli. Third generation, Sid Minnelli. Of his belt, yeah. yeah. Uh, who, who were the first two generations? I was wondering that myself. <laughs> the ring announcer was absolutely outraged, though. Like, he was losing his shit. Like, really losing his shit. And then all the kids started losing their shit when the ring announcer was The referee's losing. decision is final. Yeah, he wasn't happy, though, was he? And then no. the commissioner, Steve Barker, in his feeler trade. Well, you've got to explain the setup first before you get to that. But Steve Barker wasn't happy, was he? Oh, yeah, we'll get on to him in a yeah, little bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> commissioner Steve Barker, who also is the bloke you pay in at the door. He was, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did he work the show under a mask as well? Because that's kind of a trope of these shows. Steve was around for the old show. He was on the merch table for a bit. He was sat with the ring announcer for a bit. He was in the ring for a bit. He was selling off the heels at one point as well. Steve was, I don't know, he was multitasking all night. I don't know how much they were paying him, but he was earning his wage that night with Steve. Um, you know, you've got, you've got to afford them feelers somehow. Um, but, yeah, what was it? Four-match card. Yeah, three singles matches. The theme of the night was the All Stars versus the uh, Riot Squad. The Riot Squad, yeah, and flying uh, somewhat under the radar there. They better hope Jerry McDevitt doesn't get wind of this. We might have grasped him up now at this point. Oh yeah, see this. This is like I was. I was going to ask like if you'd ever been to any of these shows as kids because it kind of reminds me when I like I never never did like I'd always hear stories in school of people going to these types of shows. Mm. I wonder if I'd still be a wrestling fan if I had. But like, yeah. Speaking of the legal action, like the the big one round, I remember there being in Crosby Civic Hall a show with Undertaker two on the poster, <laughs> and I remember like I remember you know. being in the car on the way home from football or something like that, and see driving past the shop, and I could I, could, I just saw out of the car window a poster with Undertaker two on it. So as soon as I got home, I got on my bike, rode back to where the poster was. It was made up that there was going to be wrestling in my town with. Undertaker two on, uh, and actually, I, I, tore, I remember. I think I tore, yeah, I tore the poster off the wall and took it home to show me mum. And I bet yeah, me doing that because as a kid I was just like, I want this poster. But I bet you that started some kind of promotion war. I bet you they were convinced that other promoters were pulling their posters down. It was just me taking it home to have it. Uh, but I was well impressed. It had Undertaker two on it. It had Doink the Clown on it. Uh, that these types of shows were, were Brit Res before uh, before the Brit Res boom. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, this has been the kind of bread and butter of the industry now for sort of a good mm. 50 years at this point, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Yeah. There was a, like, on the, like, 
was there no doink on this show? Like, there's a there's a no. lad in work who who's constantly telling me anytime wrestling comes up, he's like, "Oh yeah, when I was a kid, I went to a show with Doink the Clown on." I was like, "Did you, mate? Did you though?" Yeah. Well, I was a bit disappointed yeah. because I did look on their Facebook page before, and last week their uh, former champion Clown was uh, dethroned title after 376 days. You're like a scary clown, though. Not so much a. Well, I suppose Doink was scary, Matt mm. Borden and all that. But yeah, he wasn't. Uh, he didn't look like Doink. He looked like more of an over scary clown, let's just say. But there was Mr. America on the card. He was wearing a, a Stars and Stripes singlet and a Stars and Stripes hat. I don't know if it was Hogan. Uh, He's in the country, eh? He could have done an appearance, a full of a wrestler. I mean, come on. Quite possibly. Is this yeah. very much his sort of CM Punk style spot? Is it to kind of get on a card <laughs> under a mask? I'm not sure this guy was can... six five. To be honest, though, his, his accent at best was was sketchy. It was a very sketch. His his accent at times just seemed to become what sort of was it Midlands? Yeah, yeah. Well, he had James Mason over, so you can't underestimate the power of Mister America, mate. Yeah, that's true. Um, so they had yeah they they had the format you said Benno which was yeah there was three on each side so basically three single matches um, with the title match that we've gone into with Foxy Key and Kelly and Sid Manelli but um, <laughs> of the matches that were there that were on like they were all fine yeah they're all fine the James Mason match I actually thought was yeah good he's good like yeah. i've seen him before obviously but fundamentally he's sound but i went from seeing james mason against zach saber <laughs> jr a couple of weeks ago to james mason versus mr america in kidlington it's a strange old world this isn't it it really is <laughs> oh and they also had a um effectively a guy doing joey ryan oh yeah oh no filthy chris walker yeah <laughs> on a kid's show that yeah. seems like a mistake. He wasn't he wasn't getting lollies out of his uh yeah. boxes and all the rest of but it. But he was doing the the Joey is uh Joey Ryan kind of foot on the rope mannerisms, leaning back, stick you know, sticking up his tongue, sticking out his tongue and all the rest of it. Um making an eye for a lot of the, the mums who were there. There were some interesting comments to mums. I remember Foxy Key and Kelly looked out of the crowd and saw this blonde woman and she went, All right, blondie, leave the husband at home, did ya? And then said, good girl, when she said yes, which was interesting. And, oh, next to us as well were, um, God. We should have bought a poster, then we'd find out what would have happened, wouldn't we? Oh, oh I'd like to have found out. I'm going to, or maybe I wouldn't have. Yeah. I'm going to use the impolitically correct term. A couple of ring rats next to me and JP. <laughs> um, I thought it was like a mother and daughter, and they were really into Oxford's own Sid Manelli. And I was like, oh, it must be his mum and his sister. It was not. The conversation that I overheard was them being there to try and sleep with wrestlers. Honestly. So, uh, should I go any further? Uh, I, I think the term fits. I, I mean, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, at one point, James Mason was walking through in his, he put a tracksuit or something on, um, and actually, he was wearing a t shirt that said Los Angeles, and he was facing Mr. America earlier. I thought, eh, probably should have shows a different t shirt there, James. But he was walking through, and this old woman, must have been in her 50s, just went, James, and started waving him and blowing kisses at him. He ran a mile, gave her a <laughs> high and ran a mile. Like, I don't think he's ran so fast in years, 
then the girl next to her, who must have been in their 20s, she was like, oh, you've pulled there, you're in there. She was like, I've done it a million times, love. You'll learn from the best tonight. I was like, what am I listening to here? Then I had overheard and talking about who she fancied out of the wrestlers and who she should go and talk to with her poster after the show. So I, there would have been a couple of wrestlers who had an unlucky time that night, let me just say. But it was probably the first exposure I've had to traditional ring rats, let's just say. <laughs> but at the same time, lessons are being passed on through the generations, let's just say. Because, yeah, it was like, I don't know, watching... I'm trying to think of a vet... It was like watching Goldust teach Cody the ropes, let's just say, since that was a topic of conversation tonight. <laughs> it was bizarre. <laughs> That's oh, what you get. I mean, the, uh, did you expect Welsh wrestling in Oxford to be anything else? No. And it was kind of everything we wanted it to be. And it was an incredibly easy watch. And in and uh, the, uh, the like we said, there'd been the title change. Um, this is where Commissioner Steve Barker got involved in the second half because they announced, <laughs> as you said, it was like, what, a tag match, a battle royal? It was a, it was a six-man tag with rumble rules. So over the top rope, New Japan, New, New Japan clearly was the influence behind, go, yeah. behind this. <laughs> they'd watch their Rambos, and they'd announced because they'd reviewed the footage, and which which then we were looking going, it's not being filmed. And in fact, Joe had made a point of saying it's quite weird being at a show that's not being filmed at all. And it was like, where are the cameras? There's no cameras here, but all right, we'll go along with it. Well, there was CCTV footage they reviewed. They did. Venue CCTV footage where they oh. nip around the back to watch during the intermission. Yeah. <laughs> and so they decided that the belt was going to be on the line. Now, we went through some various booking decisions, obviously none of which came up about. I would have gone with Joseph Joseph Miller, who beat filthy Chris Walker, and put, put the belt on him. I think there's more mileage in him. Who he looks like is... Uh, who did we say he looked like? He looked like Marty in about 2012. Yeah. Like, like take me out, Marty. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Very much take me out, Marty. Um, and... But they didn't put it on him in the end. And then Sid, Sid Minnelli got the belt back. Well, hometown hero, big moment. Yeah, who did he? he was, was it Foxy Key and Kelly Glenn? Yeah, they played off the earlier match and Swindon's own Foxy Key and Kelly. Got his comeuppance. He did indeed. And the ladies next to me were elated at that one. They were loving it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was honestly, this is the, it was the kind of pop that the Von Eriks would have got in the Sportatorium in like sort of 84. Yeah. People were going. People going berserk. I can't wait to see Sid Manelli back in Oxford defending his title. November. They're back, aren't they? I, I probably won't go. We'll, <laughs> see, we'll see what's going on that weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did it feel like a crowd that comes back, like a repeat crowd, like uh, people who are going to constantly come back and uh, are familiar with the wrestlers? I mean, it does sound like the, the two girls in the crowd were. Um, yeah. One of them definitely was. And uh, there was someone who I um, used to work with who was there with her son, who she's taken a few times because they only lived down the roads. And mm. her son's like five and has gotten into wrestling. So it's the kind of perfect, that's the perfect, that's the audience you go for, really. And she was saying there was a few of the other mums and other kids from their school who were going and all the parents had gone with them. That's, mm. that's what they're going for. And do you know what? They're successful at it and they really shouldn't change. I mean, mm. there's a kind of I'm having watched it. The idea of putting on a four match card involving six wrestlers and the crowd being into it, feeling like they got their money's worth. Lots of kind of various 
cheap merch and the rest of it. It was it was like the kind of perfect antidote to the kind of quite often as people might well have guessed, we can get quite cynical about wrestling. And mm. here, it's like the perfect antidote to it all. Oh, it was a very easy watch. Very easy and watch. And it, it was fun just observing yeah. like the, the entire like venue. The running of the show was really interesting. It was just very different mm. to anything mm. we're kind of used to, I suppose. Uh, yeah, and it cannot just... compare, I imagine, to <laughs> the amount of people. Slightly more than 130 at the uh, where you were at the weekend. Oh. Well, I was going to say, like, the, the perfect segue is just thinking about those two women you saw in the crowd, and all I could think in my head was, if Marty Gennetti was there, mate, he would have cleaned up. Because, um, oh, my God, I saw some things with that man this weekend. They'd have been all over him, mate. The <laughs> Rockers, like, the, I reckon this woman probably has, still has Rockers posters from, like, the AWA on her wall. I reckon she was import, importing PWI back in the day, and she stayed loyal. <laughs> Uh, Marty Gennetti at the uh, the full of a wrestling convention, which is what I'm about to talk about the uh, the big convention in Liverpool. But this isn't even like you know things I heard like on the underground or in the bar. He was in the ring doing a Q and A, and all he kept doing was trying to chat to girls in the audience. kept kept shouting at random women in the crowd, telling them to either tell them either they were wearing too many clothes or not enough clothes. Uh, it was just so awkward going on about how women Shawn Michaels. Uh, there was somebody in front of them on a plane that was annoying them, so one of the two of them went to the toilet, had a shit in some toilet paper, and then wiped it over the back of this person who was annoying them on the train. Then he was talking about how the best cocaine he ever did in his life was with, was with Vince McMahon. Uh, fuck me, that man is a mess. Jesus that, Christ. That, that's the kind of show he could have fit in. Oh, I'd have loved to have seen him there. Oh, that, I don't know if he would have fit in there. Because I think with that sort of behaviour around kids, I don't think James Mason would have been standing for that. I think Mason would have had him out of his ear. Commissioner Chris uh, Steve Barker wouldn't have been having any of that. He'd have been him over the end of his feelers, mate, getting him out of there. But that's what's scary is is Marty Jannetty seems to have been like this for a good twenty five years. Oh god, yeah. Oh, there was a point where like he was just. You could just tell, like, the, the promoters were, were struggling to control him. He was 10 seconds away from being the front page of the Liverpool Echo at any point over the weekend. And this was all, again, this is all in front of everybody at the uh, at the convention itself. He, he was telling a story as well about, oh, he went, went, one time he went to strippers with Vince McMahon. And Vince, uh, to prove himself tough to all the boys, was taking all the boys' finishes in the strip club. Apparently he took a doomsday device off LOD in the strip club. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read that one in one of his shoes. What did they jump off? They're the logical questions I was thinking of, JP. And what did he bump onto? Was it onto the floor in the strip club? I'd like to know more about it. I reckon, you know, the where the you see, I've never been in the, oh, have I been in the American strip club. I, oh, I have in New Orleans, but oh, awful. <laughs> Sorry for another time, that one. Awful experience. Um, met a 26-year-old stripper and a 12-year-old son, but I'll tell you that one some other time. Um, but I reckon maybe, you know, you've got that platform, like in The Wrestler, when Marissa Tomei's dancing, um, and you've got that kind of ledge bit. I reckon uh, mm. you could probably launch off of there onto Vince McMahon, possibly, if he's up there. Get a bit of height there. Just bump onto awesome. the floor. Maybe that's what it was, yeah. But because that's like you know when I when you hear that story, you know you could imagine Vince taking a DDT on the floor, maybe a running power power slam from Davy. I could imagine him being there at that scene. But yeah, Doomsday Device is a is a tough one to take. It's like a precursor to Homicide and CM Punk in that strip club, isn't it? 
<laughs> there you go, yeah. Tried to uh, st- uh, tip a stripper with a filet of fish. Classic. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, that's the, the cleanest segue. But yeah, while you guys were uh, enjoying Welsh wrestling, I was at the... Uh, at the for the love of wrestling convention in Liverpool, um, I'll be honest. Going in, I didn't expect big things. I, I just thought, you know, we went to MediaCon, didn't we, last year? Uh, uh, you know, wrestling MediaCon in Manchester. It was built up as being something great. You know, and we had fun. You know, we enjoyed the shows we went to. We enjoyed kind of what we just hanging around uh, for the weekend. As much as that industrial state was a bit grim, but it was like what? How many people would you say the weekend at MediaCon? Five, six hundred people, something like that. <sighs> Yeah, it wasn't more than that each day. So I was expecting something similar. And, you know, we, we joked about it on the podcast. You know, they've got all these big names over, over uh, in Liverpool. Isn't it random? Aren't the, it felt like leading up to it, at least in our bubble, which kind of taught me something about our bubble. Mm. Uh, it didn't feel like there was much buzz for it. I tell you what, this could not have been further away from that. This was worlds apart from. It was genuinely impressive what they put together like we heard we did some i'm going to talk about it in a minute but we did some media stuff on the friday myself and uh gareth uh, the hang grapple and uh dave and phil who are part of opposing who develop grapple and we've been told you know it maybe expect ten thousand people over the weekend and i just remember thinking <laughs> as if that's never happening and you know what certainly possible over the weekend it was unbelievable the difference here of a you know again don't want to slag off media con too much but mm. a professionally ran proper wrestling convention this was it this was a huge difference and a huge step up to that probably should have expected it, it was run by the, the promotion the company who do it do like a for the love of sci-fi for the love of horror there's another one of those conventions this year i was talking to one of the people uh, behind it and they were kind of saying you know not hugely wrestling fans but i think they had edge in for a for a sci-fi convention and he popped the number, and I think the you know, ticket started to sell a little bit better once they announced Edge, uh, and they started to go, oh, you know, maybe there's some some money in doing something uh, with wrestling promotions or with, with wrestlers. Uh, and honestly, they've uh, they cracked something here. I just really, really didn't expect what we got. Awesome. Did they bring Edge back for this one as well? No, Christian was there. Uh, no Edge, but hey, there's money for it next year. J- Jimmy Hart was dropping hints about Hulk Hogan being there as well uh, for next year, and we definitely heard that from more than one person. That's a possibility. I know it's a controversial name, but, you know, Steve Austin, Kurt Angle next year. But, yeah, there were all kinds of names here. It was kind of like my weekend started on the, like I said, we did the we did some media stuff on Friday. Hopefully uh, the video interviews we did, you should uh, see them starting to pop up, pop up across uh, Grapple's social media over the, the next week or so. Sat down with Jim Duggan, the nicest man in the world. Um, talked a little bit about Mid-South with him. Difference with working with uh, international audiences, you know, taking his, uh, his very pro-USA gimmick a- a- abroad. Sat down with Brutus Beefcake, which was a surreal one for me. <laughs> uh, people have, will have seen the photo. He sat there in an Everton shirt. Um, talking about the Hall of Fame, uh, talking about his book that's coming out soon. And I was just uh, kind of sitting there trying to ask professional questions and about halfway through the interview i kind of i hadn't really been thinking about it it just dawned on me like how much Brutus beefcake i don't know whether it's a good thing to admit or not was my hero when i was about 
eight yeah. or nine years old. I remember one Christmas asking my mum if she could get me the sleeveless gloves that Brutus Beefcake wears for the ring. <laughs> and my mum in disgust going, absolutely not, you can't have that. I think I stopped short of asking for the tights with the, the cut holes in the uh, in the arse and the, uh, the, the, the chaps. Uh, but I love Brutus Beefcake. And I was just sitting there looking at her going, my God, that's, that's the Brutus Beefcake. Got a chance to ask him about the Disciple uh, and about working as um, Zodiac. Uh, working as the booty man uh, i asked him if uh hopefully yeah, the video will be up soon but i asked him if uh if, if another one of his characters could go in the hall of fame which would it be uh sadly he didn't say booty man he said the disciple uh it was just so surreal like this wow. is <laughs> well if you were going to do so i suppose it got over didn't it as far as like uh, an nwo uh <laughs> the nwo muscle you're not a fan of the disciple no <laughs> uh, no no really. i think i think with, like you you're more a zodiac man i liked him earlier i have to say after the the angle i did with outlaw ron bass when they put mm. the big x across the screen and he was using oh, his um that was the that's one of my earliest memories of wrestling. Yeah. Like thinking, you know, with the yeah, because of the blood, uh, they put the axe over. Uh, what tape was that on? Was that SummerSlam ninety? SummerSlam, SummerSlam ninety. Yeah, ninety. Yeah, that sounds right. No, 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 uh, it isn't. It's it's not the build up for why how Warrior ends up winning the title. Was it meant to be Beefcake versus Honky Tonk? I think it is because isn't the, isn't the video an eighteen? Because I always remember that at getting the uh, the eighteen rating. It was one of the only WWF Coliseum. That was an eighteen. Uh, Silver Vision videos I had. That was an eight. It was either an eighteen or a fifteen, um, and I think it was because of that blood. Um, but yeah, he. That's it. Like uh, it was like. Jeez, they don't want to release to porn to be wired then at any point soon, <laughs> do they? Yeah, that could cause problems. But what was your favorite Brutus Beefcake uh, gimmick if it wasn't? Uh, if it wasn't uh, the, the Zodiac or the Disciple, I was a big fan. Uh, I, I, I wasn't a fan of Hogan and his friends in WC. Oh, yeah. no. No. Nah. the booty, man. No, not really. Just having fun wiggling his booty, doing Get, some... See, with the booty is, girl. This is when I'd seen that stuff in WWF for God knows how long, and I was like, oh, don't be ruining my good southern lad tag wrestling shit here with this nonsense, which they did. <laughs> brought in, was it? Did Duggan beat Austin in under a minute around that to win the TV oh, title? Yeah, he does like backflip or something, and he just pins him. Yeah, yeah, US mm. title, I think. The US title. Yeah, yeah. Were you not a fan of the Dungeon of Doom uh, War Games match with uh, Beefcake as the Zodiac? He had good memories of that when we were talking to him. Hogan, Sting, uh, Macho, Luger in the Sting face paint. Great stuff, JP. Or is that not your WCW? That's not. That's not my WCW. At the most, I would spring for sort of uh, Todd Champion and Firebreaker Chip. <laughs> like, that's more me, if you're going to do that. Even Van Hammer, more so than Heavy metal Van Heavy Hammer. Heavy metal Van yeah. Hammer. Early Marcus Bagwell, you're a fan. Bagwell and the Patriot, good team. They Bagwell were. Two Cold Scorpio. I was at a soft spot mm. for the Patriots. I saw some, him in Global. My friend, mm. who I've mentioned Joe for, a kid I went to school, a guy called Paul Brown. Again, I'd be surprised if he was listening. But he he's his dad lived in Akron, Ohio. So he'd go over and yeah. visit him and he'd record like Clash of the Champions and he recorded a load of global and put them mm. and his dad worked in TV, so he put them onto a VHS and we watched them. Mm. Like I watched it religiously. I don't know where I'm going with did, this. Did he used to send him tapes over? Yeah, yeah, he sent him over I think he sent him over a couple as did, well. Did this stop around the time of the booty man of a disciple? I think it did. Yeah, it would have. We would have. What ninety three, ninety four, ninety four? 
94 That's was about right, yeah. came in, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was the, uh, yeah, that was kind of the, the death of your WCW. Exactly. Uh, and the birth of mine, to be honest. <laughs> Although I did, like, yeah. I did like the older stuff as well. Uh, but yeah, it, it was just surreal, like having like him, something like him, someone like him there. We talked to Jimmy Hart a little bit, who looks incredible for his age. He's just... He hasn't aged, uh, has he? Yes, he, he hasn't at all. Uh, I think there's a lot of work that goes into that. Uh, how old exactly is he? Is he in his 70s now? Uh, yeah, I think he's. I think he's got to be. I remember being be. amazed at his age ten years ago, and he was in his late sixties then. Seventy six. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. For that, he looks fantastic. Uh, sat down with, sat down with Eric Bischoff as well. Uh, chatted to him a little bit about uh, AEW possibly going on TNT. There's a man uh, who still looks good as well. Oh, he looks fantastic. The the silver fox look is the best one for Eric oh, Bischoff, yeah. I reckon. Uh, but yeah, he had a, he had a lot of good talking points about you know, there's a lot of pressure on AEW, but obviously we've all got to got to give them time. He made some good comparisons to kind of what the the TV landscape is today, as opposed to what it was in the 90s and what he had to do with market research. So yeah, the, should be able to look out for those videos uh, across Grapple's Twitter and uh, see some of his thoughts on all that stuff. But that was kind of like uh, we did that on the the Friday afternoon, and then Saturday was the actual convention itself. Uh, is that the Liverpool Exhibition Centre where I went to see the uh, the UFC weigh-ins uh, last year when I went to the uh, mm. the Till Wonderboy fight. Uh, met my mate Matty outside. Probably the stormiest day of the year as well to be on the waterfront. It, it wasn't the best. Um, but I got in and it was genuinely impressive. Like I said earlier, it was so many stalls around. Maybe there could have been a little bit more than there was, but there were stalls selling belts, selling merch. There was a, a, a whole stalls, uh, dedic- you'd have loved it, JP, dedicated to buying magazines. Oh, they had, like, yeah. Matt, Matty got a 1987 uh, PWI year in review for a tenner. Uh, Did they have, like, it was like the, wrestler, the wrestler and... Yeah, oh, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On, like, you'd have been... You, I reckon that one stall would have been enough for you. Yeah. Like, you would have just spent your entire day there. Um, and that was, like I say, just one. The, the one... Yeah, the, stuff like that you could buy for, for, for pennies, really. Um, and that's kind of what impressed me as, as, a, as opposed to, to, to MediaCon, really. Uh, it's kind of like having that... But also, there was a whole setup with uh, with wrestling video games. There was just loads of little TVs, and like there were like three or four N sixty four set up with say No Mercy, WCW, NWO, Revenge. Weird one, like I'm one that I think you'd love, JP. There was a AAA video game. So with me and Matty, yeah, had to play this. on it. Uh, me, me, Matty, and Gareth were looking at it. Going, I'd, ne- I'd never heard of it before. I didn't even know it was a thing. Uh, PS three game, apparently. You're gonna rush out and buy it now, JP. I feel like I'll have to, really, won't I? I went to the Museum of Moving Image when I was in New York, and they had a video games exhibition, and they had a video, a sport video game set up um, on this screen, like a montage for every letter of the alphabet, and L was Lucha Libre, and it was that game. Is yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wish I got a chance to play it, um, but it was kind of surreal because me and me and Matty were sat there playing Revenge, and I'd gone Kevin Nash in the game, and I was playing it, and I could literally see Kevin Nash in my eyeline <laughs> doing his Q and A in the ring. I was like, I love to have a little game with Nash here, see if he's uh, if he's any good at Revenge. Still, still the best wrestling video game of all time. I don't know if you do. Well, I don't know. WCW versus the world. Uh, it, it's a, it's a level of because it's the sequel. There's a bit more boring into it, more characters to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it. You, you, you don't lose your weapons when you drop them. Uh, little things like that make it better. There was one, and do you know what? The, the name escapes me when I first got a, a PlayStation, 
and ended up buying a WCW game that came out, and it basically had the entire roster of WCW versus the world. It was, yeah, of course it was, yeah. But it had, yeah. God, I'm, I'm losing the plot here. But it, that had all the all Japan. I was playing a Sabu for most of it. What's oh yeah, had Kabashi Masawa. The game I convinced my brother to get. Yeah, I was gonna say that he didn't want to get, and I convinced <laughs> him basically to get it because I wanted to play it. He's still not happy about it, but that fucker sold my videos when I was away at university, cash converter, so he got his revenge. <laughs> Gary Albright was on that uh, game as I've well. got a few WCW videos from cash yeah. converters back in the day, so maybe I had your copy of Halloween Havoc 91. Yeah, probably did. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I say, they had, every, they had all of those games there. There was a, a barbershop set up uh, that they'd set up for... Uh, Mainly for the photo ops with Brutus and Marty, but you could go and uh, just check it out, like a little interview. Although they did spell Brutus's name wrong. Batutus. Batutus. Uh, not a great look, it, uh, but it's still cool it was there. Was it, it was like a thing together, together, taking photos as like a duo? Brutus and Marty, yeah. That yeah, must was, be uh, the most uh, fucked up corner of any room in Liverpool that weekend. <laughs> and like, uh, Yeah, there are probably some fucked up rooms in Liverpool, but that corner, what was it like over there? Uh, well... They were. They did that on the second day because I only went to the first day. But they did do a Q and A together in the rings. So that's where where Martin was coming out with his stories about doing coke with Vince. And to be fair to Brutus, like he looked, he looked quite embarrassed. And he he was. I mean, imagine this. He was the professional trying to bring things back on track. So I can only imagine. I did see some people getting photos with them then uh, the next day on Facebook and stuff. But I can only uh, imagine the uh, the mischief that them two got up to together. I reckon the organisers thought, right, we've got these two madmen. We could put them in different corners of the room or we can get all the madness in one corner of the room. Let's just put them together and we'll just let the madness permeate in this one corner. Good idea, that. Promise. That's kind of what they... Sorry. Oh, go on. I was going to say, how do they get even crazy and actually we'll get Tracy Smothers and New Jack in a corner together or so. <laughs> Maybe. But that, that was interesting as well, though, because they kind of had... The Undertaker had his own corner because, like, he was the big uh, headline attraction for this weekend. Mm-hmm. I believe, I think it was something daft like if you wanted the photo and an autograph, it was two hundred and twenty pounds, and I think it was the just above a hundred pounds to get one or the other. Like his queue was ridiculous the entire weekend. I, not that I saw him; he was in the corner, curtained off, so you know the the plebs like me didn't get to see him. Apparently, there was a where one of the restaurants were, if you went upstairs in there to go to the toilet, you could through the window you could see the Undertaker in the corner um, over over the little wall that they've built, and then apparently on day two, because too many people were going up there and getting sneaky photos of the Undertaker, they blocked that entire area off. Uh, he was he was very much doing his own thing, and going into the weekend, I was kind of thinking, who's going to pay that much money for a picture with the Undertaker? And I tell you what, there were hundreds of people maybe even thousands of people willing to do that like if he was making you know if his cut was a hundred pound to go out of all of those people like uh, if you told me a thousand people went up to him it wouldn't shock me um or, or in that queue because i think the queue was taking you know a good hour hour and a half they were although they sold out online on, on at least on the first day they were selling more uh, they were saying oh yeah well, you can come in uh, you can pay up and pay cash uh, not that he looked particularly happy in any of the photos. I don't know if you saw any hmm. uh, online that uh, the people had took with him. He was just stood there in his hoodie uh, and his beanie cap, just kind of mean mugging the camera. Uh, I kind of think if you were paying all that money, you'd want him to be dressed up as The Undertaker. Um, although, if you wanted that, Taker UK was in the corner as well. Mate, <laughs> for that kind of money, I'd expect him to do my big shop for the week as well. But, like, the money I've paid him. Drive me around for the week yeah. as well. 
220 quid. It's a couple of days' wages people are spunking on him there. Some, a week's wages for oh. some people. Cheeky bastard. But he got it, and people paid yeah. it. So it's like, it's supply and demand, isn't it? It's like, although there were other big stars there, you know, Brat Hart's there, Christian's there, Jericho's there. Jericho had a huge queue, you know, being the big, of the people who were there, you know, he's a, he's obviously a, a star going back years, but he's also a very, very current star as well. Mm. Uh, but they're all stars of a certain level, and I do think the reason this thing did so well as well is the fact that they had The Undertaker there, but... Again, if you couldn't afford it, you know, Takey UK was stood in the corner. I don't know if you've seen him before, Joe. Oh yeah, he was at he was at MediaCom. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, he's like the king yeah. of he's like the king of the Undertaker cosplay acts. He was in the corner with his own Paul Bearer. He had his own set that said Takey UK all over it with a, his own little coffin. Uh, there was music playing from his little corner. He put some money into that, and he was doing photos for free. He went up in my estimation this weekend. I was glad for him that he got his uh, he got his mark pick with the Undertaker, even if uh, the Undertaker himself didn't look too happy. I hope he I hope he got it for three. I hope he did him a favour. <laughs> but I suppose gimmick but, infringement and all the rest of it. Did uh, like did was he paid to be there? Take a UK. I the fact that he had his own stall and stuff would yeah I hope so. And the fact that he, to be honestly, like you could <laughs> walk it in and, and seeing him, it's easy to make fun of him. But genuinely, like his cue didn't stop the entire. Yeah, like, yeah. I was there the first what day, day, Saturday. The there was there was always always ten to fifteen people in the queue waiting to get a photo with him. And he was a lovely bloke as well. So I'm going to give him his due. Yeah. For the families who, who couldn't afford a picture with the proper undertaker, they got to have one with taking you. <laughs> Good luck to him. And he's above undertaker too, in my estimation, anyway. Uh, but that's it yeah it was i think it was something like 20 30 quid uh, in some cases you could get it as cheap as i think 15 quid for photos with the different talent different talents had different levels of queue and uh, there was a lot of uh lonely virgil going on uh where, while the q and a's were going on uh virgil turned up for his his uh his q and a probably about half an hour early like me and Matty were just sat in the front row of the q and a uh with gareth and virgil just came along behind us slapped us on the back Gave the two of us high fives and then got in the ring and just stood around waiting for about half an hour for Ted DiBiase to turn up for the uh, for the million dollar Q and A. You got loads of those little weird interactions that kind of made it worthwhile, even if you weren't uh, paying for the uh, the photographs or the uh, the autograph uh, opportunities. Do you know what the most disappointing fact of the weekend was though? Go on. No, Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, didn't turn mm. up. Didn't turn up. Uh, Sid turned up though. Like that was a surprise. I managed. I did get a freebie photo with Sid, so you know. Yeah, people will get to see that. But yeah, Jack Garrett was, uh, Sid. Close. You know what? He looked good. He looked good. He looked well. A uh, little bit shorter than you know. Again, he's getting older. Uh, but yeah, scared he looked, he looked the good. shit out of me as a kid. <laughs> Very fr- oh, I got I got a fist bump from him as well. I made sure of that the uh, the Survivor Series '96 fan of me made sure that happened. Uh, <laughs> I wanted a, I wanted a, an authentic Sid fist bump to go with my or authentic Virgil backslap. Uh, but yeah, the thing with Jarrett apparently he, he was he had to get back for Raw on Monday. You know, Jarrett he's a very busy man. Uh, I was actually speaking to the uh, to the guys behind uh, you know wrestling travel. Uh, oh yeah, you do like the WrestleMania travel packages and that. Um, I, I didn't realize like that was the actual tie-in between uh, him and between Jarrett and uh, and Tramia Rovers, Lee McAteer, who's like the the owner of Wrestling Travel. He's I was speaking to him a little bit. He's the associate director of Tramia. So that's kind of what that hookup is. I did see the 
in in his play because the Tramia game got cancelled anyway. But in his maybe that's what he maybe he knew that maybe Jarrett knew that ahead of time that that was uh, that was happening and that's why he didn't fly out. But I did see they at least got uh, some encouraging videos from Jimmy Hart and uh, and Rob Van Dam for the players instead. I I reckon they cancelled it. Or knowing Jeff wasn't going to be over to be honest with you. <laughs> On account of him not being there, Lee McAteer. Any relation to Jason? I'm wondering that. Yeah. I'm honest. I'm not sure. I didn't get a chance to ask him, but it'd be, it wouldn't surprise me. Well, JP would be a big fan of old Lee oh. Ireland International. Jason McAteer. Well, his goal against uh, Holland the same day as the England five-one. Yeah, yeah, when they beat them to qualify, qualify for the World Cup. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely ancient that day. Heavily, heavily drunk. Anyway, I digress from it. <laughs> but there's oh, always on. time next year for Jeff to come over and Vince will let him. Yeah, that's it. I mean, and, and you know, he'll come. He'll be double the money next year, of course. You know, it'll be even bigger next year. You know, I bet he's on that Triple A game as well somehow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> definitely gets his way around. Could be Tranmere opening day of the season, and if they get promoted <laughs> next season, back to back, could be in the championship. Mm. There you go, and that's when he's uh, he's going to pick his moment and come over. Uh, I was gutted though because that was kind of throughout the day there were all kinds of. I mean, I'm I'm going to struggle to do the day justice. There's so much to get in. I won't go go too long on it. But there were Q and A's through the day, and he was supposed to be that first uh, half nine in the morning Q and A, and we we didn't find out he wasn't there until it had already started. But the other stuff was still great. Uh, there was a. Booker T's one was really good. Bischoff was up there for ages, answering all kinds of questions from the fans, which was good. I made fun of Virgil early, but earlier, but him and, him and Ted DiBiase, that was a fun q and I always get the impression that Ted DiBiase wants nothing to do with Virgil, apart from when they're on stage. Like, they're on stage and they're telling all stories of the 80s, and it's mainly Ted doing the talking. And then I bet you as soon as they're off stage again, he doesn't speak to Virgil again for another six months. That seems to be very much <laughs> what their relationship is. But that was fun. Sid was up there doing a Q&A, talking about uh, his matches with Shawn Michaels, uh, leaving WCW and going back to WWE. That was kind of refreshing because he's someone who I don't, th- I don't think I've ever seen. You know, much of like Sid, I know he's done shoot interviews years ago and stuff, but you, he's not the type of person to turn up on podcasts and stuff. Uh, he was up there with uh, Kenny McIntosh, who's doing the the Undertaker uh, tour this week. I uh, got a chance to talk to him at the hotel. He was a really sound guy as well. He did a good job with uh, with Sid uh, being up there talking his classic WCW me- memories. I believe on day two, which I didn't get to, there was a, a WCW NWA re- NWO reunion. Um, Q&A on the show with all the uh, WCW and NWO talent that was there. There was a Bret Hart show, a Christian show. There's so much going on. A cosplay show as well, a competition between the uh, the cosplayers. Uh, Takey UK was a judge on that one. He, he would have been a ringer if he'd have uh, entered the competition. Good on uh, him. Yeah. Taking a back seat, <laughs> let the younger talent get over. <laughs> That's it, yeah. But they just put lots and lots of effort into it it felt like there's things you can improve next time you know even down to like you know when the, when bischoff came out for his q a uh, there was like a ring set up in the middle which the the future shock show took place on later in the night uh he didn't come out to uh to i'm back and better than ever uh, there was no music so the fans would, would sing in it along just uh just to try and uh, create that atmosphere little things like that that it felt like maybe organizers of you know a comic or sci-fi con might not realize the importance of just adding little you know sprinklings of things like that and adding bits of music but 
you know, as a day goes, like I say, I wasn't someone who was there to to spend two hundred pound on uh, on getting to meet the Undertaker and get his autograph on photo. But I was just there for the just to be in that environment around all these wrestlers and see all these Q and As, and it was absolutely worth it for me. It sounds. I mean, we were incredibly jealous, really quite gutted when you were messaging us throughout the day. And then me and JP were together all evening. We were at Welsh Wrestling watching, I don't know, um, Key and Kelly do his thing. Hearing these Oxford versus Swindon charts, thinking, this is good fun. And then you were sending us pictures through of all sorts of debauchery that was going on up in Liverpool. <laughs> and we were both just thinking, like, why aren't we there? Why aren't we there? Yeah. Shame that's been my do girlfriend's you... birthday that weekend. But to, to say of the things that you think that made it like a big success, is it a combination of the venue, the location of the venue, just being down by the dockside in the convention centre? Is that part of it? In terms of easy access? Is it is it the fact that they were good on their promotions and obviously they know what to do? Did, did it feel like it was very much a way... You already really said it. It's a way, well away from the sort of bubble that we're in, aren't we? Mm. I think that was it, because I kind of... If you'd have told me when I was a kid that there was going to be a, a wrestling convention happening in Liverpool, like I would have bit your hand off, and I also wouldn't have believed you. It did feel like a like an odd place for it to take place, but it worked. And I think a part of that is the again, and maybe why it's the opposite of what I was expecting is like you say in our bubble. This kind, this wasn't the kind of event for us. Like I saw people that I knew, you know, knocking around. But I didn't see a lot of people that I knew. It was it, it felt like mainly casual fans who've came out because they remember Brutus Beefcake, they remember Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Like if you think of like the likes of people on like I'll post, you know, I'll post this podcast on my Facebook or I'll post things that you know that I'm up to to do with podcasting or, or mm-hmm. wrestling on my Facebook and you get a couple of likes. This weekend I posted the pictures of me with Brutus Beefcake and me with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And there were people coming out the woodwork, people I hadn't spoke to in years, going, oh, I don't watch wrestling anymore, but I know that what that is. <laughs> and I think that's it. They've, tap, they've tapped into that market where... And I do think, you know, to go, like, to what we talked about at the start of the show, you know, geek culture's very... It's different now, isn't it? Like, mm. it's it's okay to be an Avengers fan, isn't it? It's it's kind of like... It's mainstream now to to be into, you know, weird things like that. that well, things that would have been... You know, we would have been seen as, as weird being uh, wrestling fans when we were kids or, or teenagers growing up. And to a degree, we still are. But there's more of an acceptance, isn't there? Of, oh, yeah, I'm going to that wrestling convention. Ric Flair's there, you know? Bret Hart's there. Mm. Uh, the Undertaker's going to be there. And I think, yeah, it, it, it kind of taught me a lesson. And it'd probably be... You know, the likes of Mediacom put their show on and, they, you know, they brought in the the cultaholic lads. They brought in, you know, a Finn Martin. Uh, but, you know, what would have actually... A Dave Meltzer. Found out. Yeah, and a Dave Meltzer, which, you know, drew the likes of us. But as we said at the time, if and as I definitely say now, if they had Axel Jim Duggan in the corner or they had Jake the Snake in the corner, they probably, based on this evidence, and maybe the fact that it was in a big arena like the next door to the, the Echo Arena in the convention centre in Liverpool, it might have pulled in a few more casuals and, and that thing might have been a, a little bit more more successful. I think that's part of the clue of it, isn't it? Because that was our big complaint about MediaCon was the location meant there was no casual. You couldn't walk across that. 
if you were hanging around in that industrial estate, you were up to no good, basically. Mm. If you weren't going to MediaCon. So you weren't getting casual people, but it seemed to be that they, they were able to do it and they made a success of it. These lads are clearly oh. professionals doing the other cons you're talking about. Yeah. And I think MediaCons is a lot about Alex Shane as an amateur, if you ask me, and the professional level that this was pulled off on. Yeah. Mm. Tell you what wasn't very professional. It was me at the at the uh, afterwards at the, uh, at the at the bar marking out because just being being so surreal being out afterwards as I mentioned earlier with you know Christian and the million dollar man just sat off drinking glasses of wine. Jericho being the the rock star you might believe he might be knocking around having a, like I say having a great chat with Rob Van Dam talking his Jerry Lynn matches talking his uh, his opinions about certain people in the in power in WWE talking about beating Matt Riddle in the Playboy Mansion 10 years ago, telling me that the best people... I got this one, this scoop for you, JP, told me I was allowed to tell you. Uh, the best people to smoke with in ECW, apparently John Cronus, Sabu, and Mustafa. Uh, I feel like I feel like you'd get added to that list if you could meet Rob Van Dyke. Uh, must, must, uh, John Cronus was a fucking lunatic, wasn't he? Mm. Yeah. Oh, I'd, I'd be game. Mustafa, wherever he is, he, didn't he just disappear off the face of the earth, basically? He kind of like he turn up every now and then for stuff with yeah. New Jack. I think New Jack hates him, doesn't he? I think that's kind of the thing uh, with him. But every 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 tag team needs an odd couple for a you know for a New Jack. You got a Mustafa for for John Cronus. You got a Perry Saturn who's like the the, the straight laced one of them. Uh, I think that's what makes it work. for a rock. Is you got a Marty Jannetty. <laughs> It's a shame that he didn't get a booking on the Future Shock show that was there that day as well, because I'd love to have seen Zach Gibson put him in his place on that show. <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah. I, I was kind of hoping he would, because that was the other big, like, big thing from the day that I was going to mention, is that, yeah, there, there was a Future Shock show. They did book uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, though. They had him in an, uh, in an eight-man tag with, uh, with jo- John McGregor, Chris Egan, and Danny Hope was the team. Uh, against against i think oh it was um big t justice uh thomas wolf and uh, and damon lee and big joe tell you what jim duggan looked like he was having the time of his life like he he didn't take any bumps obviously because you know at this point in his career he can't but all all the three-point stances you could want all the clotheslines you could want all the hoes you could want uh usa chance if there's ever a wrestler who can get away with not taking any bumps, it's uh, it's Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the yeah the the heels, the likes of uh, Big Joe and Damon Lee, were definitely definitely looking to enjoy bumping for him and the and the baby faces like Chris Egan on his team were definitely uh, enjoying being out there with him. That was de- that was definitely like I didn't think I'd be really excited to see Jim Duggan in a Future Shock eight man tag. But after a weekend like this of seeing all these big stars wandering around and then getting to interview him, I was well up for it when it actually happened. It sounds, I mean, as a show itself, was it geared towards more of a casual audience? So it was there for Future Shock to basically kind of make a name to people who wouldn't normally see them. Was that the kind of what they went for? It was weird because it was like they were part of the convention, but they weren't. Because this was on, again, on the Saturday on day one. And you didn't hear mention, like, I was going to give it like a negative with Con. Like, I almost felt bad for Future Shock because you didn't hear mention of the show happening afterwards. Like, it wasn't. I kind of thought it would have made more sense to have the show going on during the con. Mm. Uh, although you might not, you know, I mean, you might just got, have got a lot of distracted people. Like Hall and Nash were in the ring doing a and a and people were wandering around, you know, chatting amongst themselves like, like they weren't even there. So maybe that would have been the case if they'd have done that. But it was weird because, yeah, they didn't advertise it throughout the day. And they almost, 
Uh, like the Q&As I mentioned before were live on Fight TV. I don't know if you want to use your fight books for that, JP. I'm not sure if uh, <laughs> if, a, if a Q&A with, uh, with Marty Gennetti is, uh, is worth your fight books. Oh. All, of that, all of that was going on and Future Shot wasn't on fight. It was kind of like as they were closing the fight broadcast, they were kind of telling people to go home and then it was like, oh shit, and Chris... Chris Brooker, the Future Shock promoter, literally had to run out and grab the microphone and be like, oh no, there is a wrestling show still. People, please stay and stay and watch our wrestling show. Uh, that was kind of a, a bit of a, a negative because it, it kind of led to a lot of people left. Uh, a good number of people stayed, but you know, all of the, the meet and greets had kind of stopped. So it was kind of in this huge convention hall. There was only, you know, a, f- a couple of hundred people left. Um, still, a, you know, a big attendance, you know, and a Mm. No, not, not a small attendance by Future Shock standards go, but kind of weird being in this big convention hall with a wrestling show going on. Like the the opener was Travis Banks and Son Aderson. Son Aderson's like a, a bit of a prospect up here in the Northwest. And that would have been, that was a really good athletic match. It just felt a little bit weird in front of like a, a convention crowd who maybe half were, you know, there were a few Future Shock fans there getting chants going and stuff, but half are kind of people who'd, you know, just happened to stick around and, and see what was going on. Um, but it kind of taught me the difference as well because something like that, you know, Travis Banks, he is an NXT UK star, but, you know, he's over to a point in the UK, but they did do a couple of surprises on the show, like the likes of uh, the, uh, Pete Dunne was on there uh, coming out. He came out as a big surprise in the Rumble, and that was a big difference, to, like I say, to Travis Banks in that he came out and it it kind of told me like how big a star Pete Dunne was because he was like a he was there all day signing autographs and getting photos along with like the the other big ex WWF stars. He was like one of the uh, the only kind of modern current wrestlers there. But when he came out, he got an absolutely monster pop. They, they, it was a, they did like a it was a twenty man battle royal and he was the last man to come out. He went over in the battle royal as well. Uh, but I think you kind of. You get that when you book Pete Dunne. Uh, there is that problem. Uh, he threw uh, Sam Bailey out at the end. Who did? He is a friend of mine, but he did a very, very good job as the uh, as the heel anchor in the battle royal. But it did kind of show that you know there were a lot of people there who maybe didn't so, weren't so much familiar with with the local Future Shot talent. And when Pete Dunne came out, it was clear that you know the fact that he's been on Doody TV, the fact that he's been on Takeovers, the fact that he's done the odd Raw appearance, that he was you know a much bigger star than than the local lads. Were people into what was going on during the show? Like the sort of more casual fans that were there, did they actually get into it? Or was it just kind of passively watching the show? It was a bit of both, really. I think once that <laughs> happens, and then they did, they did the uh, similar to what you say about Welsh wrestling, the old uh, promoter technique of having Pete Dunne come out in the battle royal. That was oddly the main event of the first half, and then selling Pete Dunne in ring photos halfway through, and they sold a shit ton of them as well, uh, which was a bit weird considering he'd been stood there all day, uh, available for photos. But once they did that. And once, I think that really did pick up the crowd. Some people did leave it in the first half. But for the rest of the show, I, I would say, you know, and because of, you know, a lot of the good work that happened in that Battle Royal, people were into it. Um, the Joey Hayes, Zach Gibson main event, people were into. Uh, Zach Gibson is kind of like, he's always in a weird position when he's the babyface in Liverpool. But he was kind of, he came out, cut his heel promo, that got over. 
although there were still people who were going to cheer him. It was a very un Zach Gibson like match though. They were kind of brought. They brought. Did you see the video I put on Twitter where they were yeah. brawling around? <laughs> they were brawling around the hall. Uh, the, the bit where that long Undertaker queue had been up, been all day. If anyone didn't see the video, they did like kind of a chase scene where Zach Gibson was running away from Joey Hayes and got uh, clotheslined by Joey Hayes. They they fought into the barbershop area. They threatened to use the Jimmy uh, Snooker coconut as a as a weapon at one point. Zach Gibson threatened to teabag Joey Hayes at one point. That was a whole thing. Blind. Uh, he, uh, he took out the the referee uh, James Greenwood, who's a fighting spirit trainee, at the end of the show to to some cheers. That match was kind of a good impression of what the show was. There was kind of there was lots on there to kind of fair, you know the, the good use of uh, Crater, the former cyanide. Uh, building up you know matches that they've got going forward building up the the big cage matches they've got coming up on on their show soon they played a lot of future shock uh, promotional videos got a lot of their their, their younger talent uh, over uh, like the likes of the, the young guns they did they did a good job of doing that in front of a convention crowd but that joey hayes that gibson match kind of gave you the, the best idea of what it was really at the end of the day it was just it was a fun almost non-canon show that was there to, to entertain the live crowd and to be honest i think it worked it was the first future shock show i've seen in the last i don't think i've been to a live future shock show in about 10 years and for me it kind of made me think yeah you know i hear loads of good things about future shock all the time from the likes of the ogdens and it, it was a good good advertisement for a, a fun local level brit res show um for a very very casual audience who uh who were there to see the big stars but but got to see some some bonus wrestling on top. So I do think it, it overall was a, a big success for Future Shock. Well, I think so. And then if, if they can take some of the lessons from this in terms of maybe having it during the during the day, next time round, because it's been a success, they can actually perhaps do this and do this a bit better as well. And, and if they can do that, then it works out well for them. It seems like they're on board with them. Because if you think, you know, God, at Wrestling Media Con, there was Rev Pro, there was... Um, impact were there and that was all being broadcast on fight tv but maybe you know this would be the way to go do you think a slightly Mm. bigger company like say a rev pro or a fight club pro or someone missed out a bit of an opportunity here maybe i think more than anything to be honest what the like the liverpool promotion like tnt yeah missed out Because it was a Liverpool show, and it was that—that that was a little bit of a weird thing. The Future Shock are a Stockport slash Manchester-based promotion. I don't know; it's not that far away, but running this show in the I, I don't think. Yeah, it, it just based on the crowd makeup and the the like the types of people that were there. I don't know if I don't. I think I think the likes of a Rev Pro or a Fight Club Pro, it just it wouldn't have worked. I think it needed this kind of more family orientated show, Got and it. it was more like a a shot window kind of situation uh, to be there, and yeah be among the the wrestlers i had rumor that brooklyn brawler was going to show up in the in the battle royal but sadly he didn't um but we said still it was a lot of fun regardless excellent um and long may it continue any, definitely uh, anything else you guys want to want to talk about before we go i know this has been a bit of a, a truncated one for us uh but anything else you got going on really quick one i was going to say me and jp after we went to welsh wrestling uh went for a pint a match of a day and we watched will osprey versus dan maloney yeah and i gotta say i i sort of spoke last week about how i didn't trust the uh opinion of those in attendance because fight club pro was the drinker promotion oh they were spot on this match was great yeah. uh, oh really oh, i was great yeah. I've seen it really good um will osprey getting a career best at dan maloney but 
it was the Will Ospreay formula match where he's kind of against a lesser opponent. Um, there were lots of spots with the Will Ospreay matches, but Dan Maloney more than lived up to his end of the bargain. He was awesome here. Like, this will do wonders for his confidence. I know he's not been around much for sort of 18 months or so, but if he's going to be around a bit more regularly and he's over as a babyface and fight club pro, he really brought it. Lots of fire from him. Uh, lots of real babyface charisma connection with the crowd his offense look great in this as well like it's a will osprey match but dan maloney more than played his part this was a superb match i think outside of that osprey phoenix match the night after might be the best match i've ever seen in fight club pro it was tremendous yeah wow. i wholeheartedly agree with it yeah very very easy watch and maloney kind of lived up to the billing just yeah. you see something in maloney uh, there was some fire here. There really was. Yeah. Remember, he's he's 21, 22. So he's early in his career. You know, his fundamentals aren't too bad, I don't think. And here, his offense had really improved as mm. well. The way that he was firing up, the way that he was allowed to project something slightly different to what he was allowed to project as a heel made him stand out more as well. He was over with the crowd. Osprey was getting booed at certain points of the match as well, which really surprised me, considering just how likable Osprey's style is. And this, this was a top match. It was a really, really fun match. It wasn't the athletic contest that Phoenix Osprey was, like the kind of ricochet Osprey style match the night afterwards, but it was a more story-driven match based around getting Maloney over, essentially. And my God, they did a great match in putting Osprey against Maloney and thinking of how to get Maloney over because I can only see him going from strength to strength in Fight Club Pro, hopefully after this. I said this about Amari, so, mm. <laughs> you know, I don't think too <laughs> soon. But yeah, this was a really, really great match that I recommend people go out of their way to watch. Absolutely. Oh, fair enough then. In that case, that's high praise. Yeah. Uh, you got me a bit more excited about seeing it now. Uh, I know the uh, the day one VOD is up, isn't it? I don't think the day two VOD is up yet. Uh, be interested. I do still want to see Osprey Phoenix for myself. Mm. Uh, I was sad I didn't get out to see that one, but yeah, I'm definitely definitely going to check that out. Um, but yeah, hopefully we'll be able to talk about that next week. We're gonna next week as well. We're gonna talk the the Crockett Cup. Oh aren't yeah. We? Uh, the impact pay per view that happened last night. I haven't had the chance to see it yet. Uh, this week's going to be a big, uh, big what we've been watching catch up uh, for our next podcast. There's going to be plenty to uh, to watch. It was like a big weekend, wasn't it? There was loads going. I believe even GCW had a show. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to catch up with that. Uh, you guys are going to the cockpit next Sunday as well. I'm not going to, to talk about Joe well. is. I've got a ticket, Joe's but going. I might have something else on on the Sunday, so I'm not mm. 100% going. Do you want my ticket if I don't go? I've got the kids. Uh, yeah. There you go. Okay, okay. Uh, so if anyone does want my ticket, drop us a line because I may not be able to go, but we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Cool. We'll talk all that. Probably won't talk super strong style. None of us are going to that, are we? Uh, no, but it'll be a good 21 days by the time we see the final of that. So. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. A lot so of hype for it this year. Yeah. 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 Not much talk, is there? Not much. I'm, uh, we, we went through. From another perspective, I'm fascinated to see how it does. In terms of seeing like what the what the how many tickets are sold, how what the kind of atmosphere is like, I am interested in that, but it's not an event I'm excited for. Yeah, if anyone listening goes as well, let us know before next week so we can kind of re- maybe report on that briefly. Yeah, yeah we'll uh, be interested. Hopefully, it's still going. If for this week, shorter episode, but uh, yeah, we'll be back next Monday night with all of that good stuff. 
You can follow JP on Twitter at JPJP. You can follow me on Twitter at Benson Richard E. Uh, you can follow Grapple on Twitter at Grapple App and also download Grapple via the App Store or via the, uh, the Google Play Store just by searching the word Grapple with no E. Uh, and that's pretty much it as far as plugs go. So we will catch you next week. Bye.